we are recording. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm Alan Gerding, and this is a special episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast because I'm joined with a one. A uh, one? The one, the only. You said with a one. With a one, Paul, if you said Paul Dean, it would have worked. It's too late now. It's, it is, yeah. it's already, it's a train wreck. Hi, Alan. How are you doing? All right. <laughs> this is a special episode because not only do I have Paul Dean on, but we're here to talk about a special shut up and sit down announcement. We have like the most special shut up and sit down announcement. I'm excited to give you the really hard hitting questions. So hopefully you can answer them on behalf of your entire crew. Wow. Okay. That's good. I clearly haven't prepped enough, but chuck me into the pool and we'll see if I swim. Let's do it. What is the special announcement? We are running a convention. We are running our first ever convention and it is our convention. It is the Shut Up and Sit Down Expo, I think we've decided to call it, which ends up as Shucks, S-H-U-X. And it's happening in Vancouver in Canada, where I am right now, October the 6th to the 8th. And it will be a board game convention full of board games and a few cool special guests and a few uh, few cool surprises and a whole bunch of sort of panels and live events as well. We're really trying to mix it up and take like all the things we like the most out of other people's conventions and then put them into this cake and bake it. Wow. Yeah. You know what I could do is I could just go ahead and rip the audio from the YouTube video that you guys posted. Hello, everybody. Big news today. Matthew, do you know what's happening this October in Vancouver? Is it the Shut Up and Sit Down convention? Yes. I was going to build up to that. Well, we don't have time. The tickets are now on sale for the first ever Shut Up and Sit Down board game convention, or Swaz de Gubbeke. For sure. It's called Shucks for Shut Up Expo. I still think Swaz Gubica has kind of legs. It doesn't. Well, there's no... We can talk about this later. We're not gonna, because it doesn't make sense. Well, I think it does make sense. Swaz de Gubica. So what is Shucks? Well, on October the 6th, 7th and 8th, we are taking over a plush downtown Vancouver Marriott Hotel and filling it full of tables upon which you can gorge yourselves on board games from an extensive library of all sorts of titles. Not that we want to discourage you from bringing your own as well. You can do that if you'd like to share, that's fine. Basically, if you've done board game conventions before, Shucks is going to feel nice and comfortable and familiar and yet also exciting because of all the guests we have, like excellent games designers, Jonathan Ying, Isaac Vega, Alan Girding, many others, extra cool people like the women and men of Valkyrie Western Martial Arts are going to turn up, talk about historical fencing, maybe even train you how to use swords if you're very nice with them, podcasters like Nels Anderson from Terminal 7, this is not the complete list, we have so many people still trying to get in. And you know, since this is a shut up and sit down convention, you can expect an awful lot of our infamous live shows. From morning to night, the whole of Shucks will be packed with live panels, games. The whole of Team Shut Up and Sit Down will be there too. So anytime you want to take a break from playing games, you can watch Pip, Cynthia, Paul, Quinns and myself recording podcasts, playing live RPGs, interviewing designers and hosting silly game shows. And as an oversized cherry plopped on top of the cake, the Seattle Mega Games team will be running a couple of games for us 
over the weekend. The last thing that Shucks will offer is just Vancouver, which is an annoyingly beautiful, friendly, walkable city to visit. At the time of Shucks whale watching tours are in season, the Vancouver Aquarium is one of the top five on the planet. There's also hiking and skiing and mountains and islands. Why not extend your trip by a day or two? You'll be glad you did. So let's talk about tickets. A three-day pass is yours for 150 US dollars, and that gives you access to everything at the con, except for spots in the mega game, which are 60 bucks each. That just pays for the equipment, the rental of the space, and the expertise of the wonderful mega games people. We're also inviting a few select publishers along to show off new titles and to help us bring in the panelists and the people that we want but there won't really be too many of those. We're keeping it tight. This is about pals. And if money is really no object to you, we are selling just 10 special VIP tickets, the cost of which helps us keep the price of everything else down for everybody else. It's as simple as that. Speaking of simplicity, we want every guest at Shucks to feel welcome, safe, and respected, in line with the same values that we try to champion on our site. So expect every member of staff and volunteer to be fully briefed on the conduct and the anti-harassment policy. And if you want to know more about that stuff, you can just find it out by looking beneath this video. If you've got any other questions, just email us at shucks at shutupandsitdown.com. The last thing to say is if you don't get a ticket, don't worry. We've had to be a little smaller than we'd like this year because we want to be cautious running our first convention, but we're hoping to run a shucks that everyone can come to in 2018. Will it be in the, the aquarium? That's the, yes, that's the plan. It will be in the Vancouver Aquarium, underwater board games. We've got our top board game scientists on it. Is our top scientist Paul? Yes. It's probably not. It's probably not going to happen. But imagine crabs and humans playing Russian railroads together as one people. Thank you very much for watching, everybody. We hope to see some of you in October. As of right now, I'm looking and there's still 600 tickets left. It's been a bit of an open secret in the industry, to be honest. And we opened it up to supporters and friends, first of all, like people who have been long-term donors and things like that. We reached out and we said, you know, folks, we know that you're going to be interested. Many of you would like to come. So we've already sold some tickets. But by the time I think this podcast is going out, we'll sort of be live and we'll be wider open to the public. It's not going to be a huge con. It'll probably remain under a thousand people. So we might be looking at like 850. Oh. Wow. Depending on like how keen people are, it could sell out pretty quickly. I think it will. Absolutely. We'll see. The plan is to release this on Thursday, on May the 4th, <gasps> as in May the 4th be with you. I will just get buried in the Star Wars stuff then. No one will hear of us. There's going to be almost probably no Star Wars at the con, so people are going to hate us. Well, you could just lie on this podcast. There will be uh, Harrison Ford at the con, definitely. His agent hasn't said that he isn't coming. Oh, his agent hasn't said that he is not coming. Right. Yeah, no news does not mean no. You can imply from that what you like. That's why I think I'm still dating many individuals from my past <laughs> because they still have yet to return my calls, which I think that means we're still dating. Don't tell my partner. I mean, that said, being quite serious, uh, we do have a bunch of special guests who are coming. Ooh. I hope you remember we invited you. What? Uh, oh, yeah, Isaac Vega. One of my best friends. He's awesome. Isaac Vega's <coughs> excellent. Nels Anderson, absolutely brilliant. We'll have our whole Shut Up and Sit Down team, which is obviously me, Quinn, <coughs> Matt, Pitt, and also Cynthia will be there. Cynthia, yes. So Cynthia is a new addition, yeah? 
she has been doing a whole bunch of role-playing coverage for us for a while now and is extremely good at it. And it'll be like your first time to see her in con mode. We have a few other game designers like Jay Cormier, the designer of Junk Art. I hope I'm going to say this right, but Curtis Weeb, am I pronouncing that? I'm not him, so I don't know. Comics artist behind Rat Queens, which is a hugely popular comic about a team of women. We haven't actually confirmed all the guests yet. There's a couple of people who I don't want to say their names in case something happens. You don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, we've got folks penciled in as well. I have to ask, Mm -hmm. we hear coughing in the background. Who do you have smuggled behind you that's coughing? Oh, that is just my friend Katie who is suffering from a cold, who's come to visit and will just die. This is the first time someone has died from a cold on a podcast. You know, I'm here to be pioneering and that's that's my way of being a pioneer. You won't get this kind of quality from those high-end radio lab shows like This American Life. You come to the Tuesday night podcast to hear someone dying of coughing in the background. So thank you, Katie. And you're in Vancouver right now, where you live. I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, right above Seattle. We're already seeing a lot of West Coast people are very interested in coming. Obviously, loads of people from Canada have signed up. But Americans have this special sort of bonus secret power because the American dollar is stronger than the Canadian dollar right now by like considerable chunk. It's 75 cents on the dollar. So basically anything you buy up here costs three quarters of the price. That has been a huge part of the appeal for people as well. You know, as soon as you think you're spending 100 bucks on something, you're spending 75, 74 bucks. Oh man. Yeah, we planned this for quite a long time. We thought about a lot of the logistics and one of the attractive things about Canada and North America America is to Americans, it's basically, it's cheaper. First of all, let me say really classy of you to open it up to your subscribers first. So I think that's hats off, really cool to do that. But I'm ready to dive into some of the harder questions. Uh Uh-oh. Question number one, in your limited experience of going to conventions, which convention do you think Shucks will mostly resemble? That is, oh, I want to say it's going to fall somewhere between like BGGCon and GDC. BGG Con being like uh, one of my favorite board gaming cons because it has a lot of open table gaming. It's very social. We plan to have sort of a central open table gaming space with a big games library that we're going to bring in of hundreds of games, probably more than we need, but we're bringing it in anyway. So many games. We'll have a few publishers there. As you will know, we'll have games designers also turning up, basically showing people their new edition of their latest game. There's going to be like a few things debuting. Nice. There will be surprises. There will be debuts. There will be like cool new things being shown off. Surprise debuts. I'm also a big fan of GDC, the Games Developers Conference, which is one of the mainly video game conferences. But we had a lot of board games this year at GDC. Yeah, you guys are a big hit there. Is this your second time going? We have been as a unit three times, although I've previously been to GDCs before we were sort of established there. We've had a great time at GDC and we've ended up being a really big draw at the con because it turns out you get a load of people who are into games design to turn up and they love playing stuff on the table. Yeah, you and Matt were at the last one. Yeah. I know designers like Eric Lang were there. We had Eric Lang, Rob Davio, Jeff Engelstein, uh, a lot more other people, actually. (laughs) The reason is because GDC has a bunch of talks, panels, 
and it's very easy to get access to designers and publishers there. You know, you don't have to sort of queue up and hope for an autograph with someone. You can just meet someone at the end of a panel. And I'm not saying people will do this. It could happen, but, you know, pull them aside and take a photo, have an autograph, or pitch your cool game design. Oh! Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know how you feel about that, if, if you're going to be swamped with people saying, Alan, publish my game. We definitely do listen to people's submissions, but the truth of the matter is we have so many games in our pipeline because we're just two dudes bumbling around that we're starting to get more and more efficient, so we're excited. So even if we really love someone's game, we would say, hey, we'd love to publish this game. It may take us four years. Oh, wow. Well, when I think of you, I think of a huge pipeline. Ooh, because you're a gentleman. Sometimes. Well, so here's the other thing. We could have made this larger and it wouldn't have been difficult for us to make more tickets available, pick a larger venue. But for our first ever convention, we'd rather try and make it good, make it self-contained and focus on quality atmosphere. Because if we do our con very well and people enjoy it and they have a good time, then we can grow on that. Whereas uh, if we make the first one too big, it might end up sort of impersonal and very generic. And we didn't really want to start that way. That's actually one of the design principles in game design is you want to start off very basic and small and add on Mm. until it's optimal. And then once you do that, then you reverse it and then you're supposed to take off as much as possible because the knee-jerk reaction for most designers, especially when they're beginning, is to throw everything they have into a game. And what you need to do is go to the basic core of what's fun. That's a brilliant way to apply that same concept to conventions. The size that it is, we hope it's going to have a lot of chance for people to meet each other, to meet us, to talk to us for a while, rather than that being like a person who appears on a stage and then they just go away but the biggest question <gasps> i have Uh-oh. is why why dive into the convention biz because there's not enough board game conventions out there particularly in canada it's hugely focused in the u.s which is not a bad thing so much for me being in the country next door to the u.s and we have one or two cool ones in the uk we obviously have essen in germany which is uh tremendous in the same month as your con yeah later on we're not we're not going to overlap so it's fine. no there's um, no venn diagram overlap as far as time but it's close it's close although also i have a feeling that there might be a lot of people who won't go to both because one of them is here and one of them is in germany quite literally the other side of the planet pretty much the thing is it's our chance to bring something new to canada canada doesn't have very many of these but i suppose it's also a chance for us to do a con in the way that we would also like to do a con one of the things that we've drawn up is an unambiguous conduct policy which is an anti-harassment how we expect people to behave policy we call that title nine in the biz here in america really well in our education system at least so the thing is not all cons necessarily have these and there were discussions like a few years back now about how people were treated at cons or how safe they felt and i feel like some con organizers rose to the occasion to be like you know what we should clarify this and we should make everyone feel safe and there are other con organizers who don't have actually that clear codes of conduct and still don't Right. That, which to me is kind of amazing. It's a chance for us to run a thing in the way that we want to that way. We're very fortunate we have a hugely diverse audience of people who come to the site, people who donate to us, people who listen. It's a cliche, but we want to sort of be the change that you want to see in the world. So let's try and set an example, a warrior for good. Next question is, when did you start thinking about this? How long has this been cooking? It's been properly cooking since about September. 
which I think is when I started to do the groundwork of researching good venues, working out like how big they were, working out what they had to offer, working out what the rules were, everything from like opening times to... But still, nine months. <laughs> yeah, nine months, that's not that long. It, uh, it doesn't feel like that long. Like we, we talked about the idea further back. The reason that I started some of the groundwork last September, which is more than a year before the con, is we wanted to make sure we locked a venue down and we had it booked and we had it ready. But even if we were going to do something that was small, we wanted to feel like we had enough time to put everything in place. Because if you're doing a convention for the first time ever, you don't want to leave stuff to the last minute, I don't think. You don't want to be unprepared. Of course not. I think to the point where like the hotel that we booked out which is very good and the people running the hotel are excellent i think they found us maybe a tad neurotic where we've been like let's plan seating six months in advance and the the hotel rep was actually you know some people do these like two weeks before the con because i mean i'd rather that than the alternative i'd rather us be able to answer lots of questions early feel like things are secure things are organized than you know the opposite which brings me a great segue to my next question How difficult has this process been? Has it been surprisingly more difficult, having more challenges than you expected? Has it been super simple, surprisingly easy? And do you think the shit has yet to hit the fan where you'll realize, oh my goodness, we thought this was gonna be easy, but it's actually so much harder than we ever imagined. Which of those scenarios seems to be apropos right now? I think we're in the middle of things. Like I think a couple of things ended up being a lot easier than we thought. And a couple of things ended up being different to how we thought they would go. For example, one of the places we looked at was the convention center and doing anything with a convention center was way more complicated than I expected. And there were so many more considerations. And this is why we eventually decided to go with the hotel that we went with, because they're so used to hosting events and there was so much work that they could sort of take off us or work with us. Hence like the hotel concierge, basically all about service. Yeah, and that was actually really encouraging. And the idea that, you know, a lot of people can stay in the hotel in the same place that the con is. Right. You know, we did the standard thing of getting special room rates and things. Nice. It's like, well, that's less complicated for a lot of the guests. And then if they're happy to leave these rooms open late, then that means people can play games late or maybe 24 hours if we can even get that going. Yeah. And they can obviously do some catering in the hotel as well. As, you know, we're very near a lot of restaurants. There's so much more flexibility here. Paul. Uh, and it can be it can be very easy, Alan, Paul. to suddenly realize that you've booked a hotel and you've just handed a bunch of cash over to people. And that that's it. You've done it. Well done. You've done it now. Paul. Yes. Yes. I want us to help out the listener. If they want to start a convention of their own, and I'm assuming it may be smaller time, maybe not, maybe they want to go bigger time. Mm -hmm. And I know you're not done with the process yet because shucks has yet to happen. In fact, the tickets are just going on sale, but you have to teach them how to set up a a convention for their gaming in a minute (laughs) because you only have this elevator ride to do so. You need to get the main details out of the way. So when they leave that elevator, they are better off now having that elevator ride with you so they themselves can start their own convention locally because they have the same desire in their heart as you. And here we go, entering the elevator. Oh God. A minute and I'm not even a concise person. All right, think about first of all what the location is and how easy it is for folks to get there because a cool thing we have with Vancouver is obviously it has an airport, it's a well-known city and a huge amount of our audiences in North America. So that's very easy for a lot of those folks to get to. Even if they're not like West Coast Americans, there's lots of people coming from the Midwest and East Coast. Fine, you know, there are planes. It's okay, so think about the locations. 
Think about the venue in particular. Definitely scout out venues because I scouted out a bunch of venues and I met people and I saw what was there. 30 seconds remaining. Go to a venue, scout it out, look at stuff, talk to people, meet people, think about space and then think about logistics and accommodation. Not just accommodation in terms of places for people to stay, which is a thing, but like even like what kind of handicap access is there? Who will be able to come in? What are the, the sort of travel limits and requirements? If I, yeah, I think the most important thing is just location and making people be able to come there once that is locked down you can build everything on top of that like layers on a foundation ding oh i wasn't ready for that oh man that's all right i said hard hitting my goal is to always punish anyone who comes onto the show so they never want to come back wait i shouldn't do this this, anyway. this is like when I do boxing and you think 60 seconds is a short period of time and it's just someone hitting you in the face for 60 seconds and you're exhausted. I like what you said. I think the main <laughs> question remaining is how do you even go about starting? Who do you call? Do you call the hotel concierge? Is that where you start? Yeah, we did. We basically started with a huge spreadsheet of possible locations across Vancouver and some of them weren't even hotels. There was convention centers. There were gotcha. even like some large theaters that have hosted small cons in the past. Right. We started just with a whole bunch of research and called a bunch of places, emailed a bunch of places and were like, how big are you? What have you done in the past? What can you do? And that helped us think about how big we wanted to be. Yeah. It sounds like you definitely started with Vancouver in mind and broke out from there. But what about division of labor? Who did what? Was this mostly you since you're in Vancouver? Did Matt have anything to do with anything in this? Oh yeah, absolutely. We have pinballed ideas, all sorts of ideas between ourselves. Because I'm physically here in Vancouver, I was able to visit places, talk to people, you know, sit down with events, people at hotels or at the convention and actually go through paperwork with them, talk about terms of what, what they're able to do, which I think a lot of that stuff in person is always better. There's something about, you know, rather than the impersonal nature of email, actually meeting a person, sitting down for an Absolutely. hour. Absolutely. We learn that in business because, man, if you just email someone, there's a lot of room for them to blow you off or for you to get buried into their email list. Calling them is one more thing, but see, in person, woo! Because Sean, we flew out to China to handle some business with our manufacturing of two rooms and a boom. Mm -hmm. That got things done. A bit of grip and grin, smiling, shaking hands, being a physical person that someone remembers. Yeah. Making a good impression, I think really, really helps. So I did a lot of that. I did a lot of the sort of the work on the ground. We have a sort of a business manager um, who helps us with a lot of the running of the company and company side of things called Chris, who also has a lot of sort of related experience and he helped with a lot of negotiating sort of what terms are going to be. The businessman. This is starting to feel more like a heist where everyone has their role. You're the face. Well, it's absolutely that because Quinns was able to reach out to some of the guests and speak to people and like suggest, you know, who, who would be cool to come along. He'll, he'll if you talk to him, he'll say like, pull, pull all these guests together. And he did. But that's not really quite true. That's, it's all been a team effort from all of us, like reaching out in different ways. Matt and Quinns did a lot of the promotional stuff. They did a lot of the planning for making for how we would shoot the video about the con. But there's not really... I can't really say there's sort of any one thing that has just been someone's domain because even everything I do, I try and run it by everyone else so they know what's happening. And if they have any input or if there is a disagreement about something, right. we, can, we can talk it out. It's not really a case of like a person's just gone solo on something. So you can't claim that you're the George Clooney of this Ocean's Eleven? I don't think so. Chris has been absolutely brilliant with so much organizational stuff. Gotcha. 
I have to keep the Tuesday knave in mind that the listener that wants to go, if they're going because they love you guys and they have love of games, and I'm sure that's one of the main reasons to go, if not for Vancouver alone, what are the chances of actually getting to interact with each of you? And how much free time do you think all of you will have? I'd say moderately high. A lot of the things that we'll be running, like we'll do a live podcast on the first day in one of the main rooms that will have quite a big audience. And then we'll also be running, I think maybe one or two smaller podcasts is what some of the things that people want to put on, interviews with designers, panel talks where we'll be present at those. And I think what we'd like to do is there's a bit of time for us to turn over the room between them so people can come and have a chat with us. We will just be wandering around the con between some of the events, trying to either play games with people sort of occasionally at random or just see what people are up to and say hello so it's like we will be there present most of the time probably i think even till late on some days as well because we do want to meet people as well if this is a thing that we can make very regular and we can grow it that i suppose become more difficult if we did a con that was two or three times as big right it's our first time doing this it's going to be a bit special it's going to be of course probably a bit more intimate than anything like this will ever do again and we'll be making an effort to do that as well so chances are pretty good i think what about if I want to set up an event, I want to play some of my role-playing game and I want people to sign up for it. Will you have event submissions or is this more BGG where you just come on up and open gaming tables? It'll be a bit more like BGG. That said, we put together like a preliminary calendar of events right now of like who's going to be in which room, what the room's going to be used for. And there are a couple of gaps. I think what we're going to do is possibly reach out to a few folks we know and say, do you want first dibs on trying to use a space for a certain activity? I'll totally take some spaces. I'll just interrupt you right now and say, I would love to record an episode of this podcast. I would love to do a whole bunch of stuff. Well, Alan, we've already kind of provisioned for that. We thought that you might want to do something like that. So that's (gasps) one of the penciled in things. Yay! I mean, I heard a rumor that you might even like have a new game that you want to turn up and test with folks. Yeah. The episode before this, I just talked about how I did a 500 player game with Alex Haig at Tribeca Film Fest in New York City. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd love to do a grand social game and just selfishly play test some more high player count social games that are supposed to be unlike anything else that people have played. At shucks. I can't wait. You guys are going to be my guinea pigs. I love it. We, I am absolutely 100% okay with that and this is part of what I think our, our draw will be is as we stick more and more things in the bill it'll be like yeah this is your first chance to try this this new thing like I, I will give one thing away because there's so much that I don't want to promise but I'm right. currently chasing down you know everybody's seen those giant sets of Jenga right? Yes of course where it's like it's Jenga but it's bigger and you're like oh that's kind of cool because it's like a bonus plus size of Jenga. There giant exists. two rooms in a boom is that what you're about to say? Giant cards that you you can't even hide if you want to bring that no i'm just teasing i'm sorry go on sir i digress well have you played junk art because we're kind of big fans of it i have not played junk <sighs> art to be honest because i own boss and i've played boss forever oh, and i yeah. always ask people what's better boss or junk art and i've yet to talk to anyone who's done both <sighs> no have you done both I haven't, but I guess I'd better hunt that down and we'd better have an argument about this sort of live at the con in front of 800, 900 people. (laughs) I've only heard good things about junk art, but I've also only heard good things about Boss. This wonderful physical construction game, not 
only so many different pieces, but so many different game modes, so many ways to play it like cooperatively or competitively or against the Same club. with Barsac. Well, I mean, we love it and it's great. And we actually brought it with us to GDC, to our games area in GDC. Nice. And it was constantly played by people because it's an icebreaker. It's a great way to make friends. I'm in. But yeah, just imagine that, but bigger. I'm in. Nice. But is it so big you can get injured? Because then I'm definitely in. So uh, again, another thing I probably shouldn't give away, but I'm giving this away now, is we we won't consider it a complete failure if we end up in the news because of a disaster whereby one of us is trapped under like a giant board game because that's like the perfect headline. Yeah. There's no such thing as bad publicity. But particularly that, just Canadian news, like strange English man crushed by huge board game (laughs) because it, it raises more questions than it answers. I'm so ready that I can't sit down. Paul, yep. they've been listening this entire time. How do they get a ticket? We have links up on the front page of our site. I think you should probably, at this point, you should be able to search on our site for just Shucks, S-H-U-X, and it should come up, or Shucks 2017. Uh, but we'll be popping up a link on the front page, and it should be pretty unambiguous. You can click through, uh, buy tickets for the event itself and if there's any left also buy tickets for some of the mega games they're running i should have pitched those i don't know if you can hear a siren i think that means i'm about to be arrested so i should run i can they're coming for you it's <laughs> at least it's not an ambulance for katie <laughs> <laughs> this is what i do I, I just put up sick friends and they convalesce so you have three different types of tickets yes you have one for a single person but don't you have a elite or are you out of elite passes we were selling a few VIP passes where we uh, told people that they'd be able to definitely play a game with us and spend some evening time with us. Nice. But those those went immediately. I mean, I'm not kidding. Those went within... Seconds. 45 minutes or something of us. We just announced it and we said We'll to say people, 45 seconds. It sounds better. Ah, it's about 45 minutes. We just seconds. said these are available and like if you want to spend some time with us, they're seconds. priced higher because you get to definitely do cool stuff with us and no kidding, you're like, you're helping to subsidize the con. Absolutely. So thank you to those folks. Yeah. They're helping keep the cost of everything down for everyone else as well. Here's the reality too. The best way to help out is attending and going because the worst thing that could happen is if you guys lose money, there's no way you'd be wanting to do this again in the future. If you guys break even, then you're thinking, man, that was a lot of work. But I'm assuming if you make profits, that just goes into next year's show. I don't know. Unambiguously, Frank, we don't think we're going to get really rich from this. If we'd done something bigger, no. we could have done that more. But the idea is not for us to make loads of money from our first con. It's to do a good con, have a cool time, and again, set an example for what we want to do and really lay a foundation that we can build on. Yeah, from what I understand, if you want to get rich, don't go into the con business. So I I commend you guys for doing that. Penny stocks and time travel. That's how you get rich. If they want to contact you guys specifically with questions or anything, how should they do that? Contact us through the either the email address on the main site, which is contact at shutupandsitdown.com, or I suppose I, we should use shucks at shutupandsitdown.com as well, S-H-U-X, because that is our specific con email address that we have custom tailored to be the best possible email address to talk about the con. That is an elite, primary, premier, top of the range, right. gold-plated email address. 
It means that you went into your email client and set up a new email address and then Maybe. said fancy things about it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you're right. <laughs> That's great. If you want to get in contact with our show, the Tuesday Night Podcast, you just write in at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. You can follow myself on the tweets or the Facebook. I'm at Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. You can also follow the podcast on the Twitter, at PlayTKG. How about you if they want you personally, Paul? I can't imagine anyone ever would, you know? Just here, alone, by myself in my apartment with, with dying friends. Did you just put on sad music? I did just put on sad music. <laughs> I, I am also on the Twitter, at Paulicino, which is P-A-U-L-L-I-C-I-N-O. And if you see that name anywhere, it's probably me. If you see that, you know, like in a video game, that's probably me. If you see that in Overwatch or War Thunder, that's probably me as well as... Yep. Until someone gets savvy and they start snapping up that name on other platforms before I use it, and then they use that to defame me, which eventually will happen. I use the same name in all of my video games, Alan Girding. I'm not as clever as you. I just use my real name. No one's taken it yet. One day. One day they'll take it and they'll do something online that will get you in a lot of trouble and you'll be arrested. That's how the future's going to be. If there's one thing that I've learned from this last presidential election is don't be ashamed of anything. <laughs> if I get accused of something, say, yep, that's how it works. Anyway, I think with that being said, this episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast is... Finished. Done. In the bag. Sorted. Yeah! Hey, Paul. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And my ticket's guaranteed, right? Oh, yeah, I know. I should even sleep in a dumpster, right? There's a lot of dumpsters in Vancouver, and most of them are warm. <laughs>